It's said that your real life begins where your comfort zone ends. Well, it's about to get real as we have radically authentic conversations to help you thrive in your personal and professional life while navigating the twists and turns of being human. Buckle up, because this might get uncomfortable. Starts right now with Whitney Lordson. As I was talking to Jackie before clicking record, she mentioned that her podcast has a theme of getting uncomfortable in a way. And Jackie, I would love to hear that in your own words. What do you say at the end of each podcast episode? Yeah, At the end of our podcast, we say, thanks for getting comfy with us or uncomfy. And so when I saw the title of your podcast, I was like, yes, this is my kind of girl. (laughs) I love that. You know, it's interesting, all the different interpretations of what comfortable means and getting uncomfortable. And first of all, I want to acknowledge the name of your podcast. I'll have you say it, Jackie, because I feel like there's always a different energy when (laughs) someone talks about their own show. What's it called? Yeah, it's called Stop Fucking Settling. We say the shit your friends won't say. (laughs) I love that. When I heard that title, I felt excited. So similar to how you felt about this show's title. I just feel so intrigued. Like, okay, I need to know because maybe there is censorship, which is something else you and I had talked about before we started recording. This show is rated as explicit. So people don't feel like they need to censor themselves. Do you feel like friends censor themselves in terms of talking about relationships and just like the uncomfortable things that they might want to say, but they don't say to other people? One thousand percent. Usually our friends and family will say what they think we want to hear, right? Not what we need to hear. And as a certified life coach myself and my business partner, she's also a coach as well. We know the importance of hearing what we need to hear from our own coaches and telling our clients. And so we're like, no more beating around the bush. Like, we know what the dating world is like. We know what life is like. Like, this is how it really is. This is how it really is. And let's talk about it and keep it lighthearted. Let's find the humor in it, but be truthful. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. And I've had a few guests on the show that specialize in dating and have dating podcasts and content online. And I was actually just thinking today, my friend Jason Green, who I met through TikTok, he's been on the show a couple times now, and he's just had massive success with his content. And I think it's because dating is just one of those topics that many of us can't seem to get enough of. Even if I think you're in a committed relationship, it's still interesting to hear about the dating world and to stay up to date on it because there's so much that changes. For instance, I've heard a lot of people talk about like people that are in committed relationships saying, I'm so glad I'm not single right now because dating seems so hard. I'm so glad that I don't need to be on those apps. Mm -hmm. First of all, I I don't know if you're single or not, Jackie, and, and what your status is, how you talk about that in your content. Mm-hmm. I'm totally single. And it's funny that you bring that up because, well, one, I don't know your thoughts on this, but I talk to my best friends every day on Marco Polo, literally every day. So when I dropped my podcast, I thought for sure they'd help us out, subscribe, rate it, review it. And that would be it. But my one girlfriend in particular, she's in a very serious committed relationship. 
She's like, I cannot wait until Tuesdays, until your your, your podcast comes out. Because we don't only talk about dating, but we do talk about dating a lot. And even being somebody who's in the dating scene myself, there are new terms out right now called like the orbiter and getting zombied. And exactly, exactly. And and then my, my business partner was like doing a write-up for our podcast on one of the things. And she's like, oh, for those people who are shipped up. And I was like, that's got to be a typo. I'm like, what does that mean? She's like, a relationship. I'm like, is that what the millennials call it now? I'm like, we're literally not putting in, like, we're putting in that little effort that they can't even fully say relationship. Like, (laughs) I'm shipped up. So it's like, there's always new, fun, intriguing things going on in the dating world. Not necessarily if you're in a relationship, I don't think it's necessarily things that you should be envious of. But there are new things out there for sure. And so we, as we learn these things, we dive in and we talk about them and people in relationships also find it intriguing. And when you're in a relationship, it's important to still be dating. So even though we're talking about the single life in a sense, you should still be dating your partner, whether you're in a relationship or married. That's how stuff fizzles out if you don't. So I highly advise everybody to listen to it. That is such a great point. And certainly you'll hear that in terms of relationship advice. And it's also interesting, the generational differences too. I mean, I feel like I know a lot about what's going on with younger millennials. I'm a millennial uh, and then Gen Z because I spend so much time on TikTok, but I haven't heard some of these terms. So it's interesting. Like even when you feel like you're in the know, you could still miss out on things, which is okay. So I'm curious, what is an orbiter? Because I don't think I've heard that term before. (laughs) What does that mean? (laughs) So an orbiter is somebody who maybe something fizzled out between you guys and they're like, I'm totally not into you. I have no interest in you. And then all of a sudden out of nowhere, they pop up. They pop up and they start watching all of your Instagram stories or following you on Facebook or on TikTok and they comment or maybe I shouldn't say comment. They heart things, right? They like things and they might even be in a relationship, but they don't ever say anything to you. I have orbiters that I have literally been around for like five years who are in super committed relationships. I'm like, you're still orbiting me. Like you watch every single thing that I post. (laughs) You said I was perfect yet. You chose somebody else, but but you're still trying to be in my orbit. It's it's interesting, but that is what an orbiter is. And when you learn about these terms, it's funny because it's like normally you think about the planets or something, but it's like now I just imagine these like little heads of people that I know, like just orbiting me in space. Like <laughs> I love that visual. And of course I'm sitting here thinking, huh, I've definitely experienced versions of that certain guys that I was really into that one in particular years ago, just like met him on a dating app and was so into him. But, and we seemed to have all this chemistry. I thought he was into me, but he never wanted to like have a committed relationship. And yet he would continue that orbiting. And back then I was much more active on social media. Now I barely do social media of my own. I'm at least taking a pause to reevaluate it. So another thing I think of is huh, I wonder, can people still orbit you if you're not posting a lot, right? In that past with that guy, he would watch all my stories. He'd comment on them. Like, yeah, he was always kind of around. And I'd be like, what are you doing? Like, are you into me or not? I'm kind of curious, what do you think about orbiters in general? Like, what does that behavior mean? 
I think we dive into this in the episode on all of that. So I'm like, how can I sum it up right now? Cause I can go there with you. Like I can like go down the path and just keep talking about it because it really intrigues me, but I would take it for what it is. Like take it for face value. You guys, if anybody has an orbiter, I know how tempting it can feel to think, oh, maybe this person's really into me, but take it for what it is in somebody who's not willing to commit somebody who's not willing to put in the effort. Even if they're interested, they're not that interested to reach out to you and make a a genuine connection. So take that and put it up on a shelf and just leave it there. (laughs) That is great advice because these memories still come up and I wonder, I have another situation for you, Jackie, actually something that has been happening to me recently. I don't actually talk about my relationships publicly anymore. I used to and then decide to set a boundary. So this is a little rare, but I'll share one little thing that I've been wondering about. And now I'm like, wow, maybe you might have some insight. I had this guy that I dated a long time ago and we became friends and have remained in each other's lives, like genuinely friends. And I've tried to be friends with a number of my exes. Most of the guys that I've dated, we've at least like remained friendly. There's very few of them that I have zero relationship with or like something really bad happens. So I like that feeling because they meant something in my life. And yet there's that awkward moment where you have this friendship and they are in another relationship. You're in another relationship, et cetera. And like setting those boundaries to make your current partner and their current partners feel safe and not threatened, which I think a lot of people do about old flames. So anyways, this in my current situation, this guy from very long ago, which for me, I felt like there's zero feelings whatsoever on either of our side because our friendship has been strong. And I even developed a relationship with this person's partner. And all of a sudden, like a, some in the last few weeks, he's been like texting me more and more often and like bringing up all these old jokes. And we've been having this joking dynamic for a very long time too, but it's like happening much more frequently. And I've been mystified. Like, why is he doing this? And part of me is thinking like, this feels uncomfortable because I don't think he's trying to reestablish a relationship with me. It doesn't feel that way, but it feels a little inappropriate. And to me, my concern is like, is something going on with his wife? But I feel uncomfortable asking. I don't want to be like out of nowhere because we don't normally talk about that. Like, hey, is everything okay in your relationship? Does she know that you're like texting me all the time, bringing up all these old jokes? And now I'm trying to figure out like, how do I set boundaries? Because I don't feel right. If, If my partner was doing something like that, I would feel uncomfortable with that. So I'm kind of curious, like, have you come across this? What do you think this means? And also, how do you set boundaries to be mindful of other people too and their feelings, like the other partners in these relationships? So you might not like my answer. (laughs) This This might might get get uncomfortable. Might get uncomfortable, but that's why, and I know some people don't agree with me and I don't think that there's any right or wrong, but just from how many relationships that I have seen, how many I've been a part of in terms of my clients and things like that, I think it's honestly, I don't know if it's truly possible for a man and a woman to just be friends, especially if they have dated. 
especially if they have dated. Because what I find is that one party, at least one party, secretly wants something else, like just a little tiny bit, just a little tiny bit, even if it is just what you're talking about, like a possible quote unquote innocent interaction with somebody, right? You're joking around, but it's still at a innocent level, but obviously he's seeking something that he's not getting from his partner. And I love that you recognize that. And you're like, what's going on at home? Because obviously he's like connecting with me now on a deeper level than we used to. I also think it's interesting. Are you open to me like going there? Very much so. This is super interesting. (laughs) (laughs) I also think it's interesting that you guys don't talk about his wife. I think it's really interesting that you don't talk about those things because one of the big questions that I always ask my clients when they're in a place of, well, we broke up, whether it's a guy or a girl, we broke up and they want to stay in my life. They want to, they want to be friends and I want to be friends with them. And my question I always come back with is, okay, would you be okay if that person was dating somebody else? No. (laughs) And I'll be like, would that person be okay hearing about you dating somebody else? Well, probably not. Well, then you're not friends because friends can talk about those types of things. <laughs> With this specific person, it's complicated because, I mean, I, I don't want to make this whole episode about it, so I won't go deep into it. I mean, you make up some great points that I can relate to other relationships where I knew I was still interested in someone and was just trying to play this role of friend because I wanted to keep them in my life. And mm-hmm. to your point, I mean, there's certain people who absolutely felt impossible to just be friends because I had lingering feelings towards them. And I've certainly had dynamics where I've been really close to a guy and I'm like trying, I want their partner, whether it's their girlfriend or whoever their partner is, you know, and that dynamic, this yearning to make them feel safe because that feels important to me. I don't want to feel threatening, but it's interesting to look at this because some of this might not be within our control. And maybe that's part of the point, even going back to what you were saying earlier with the orbiter, you know, like we can sit around and try to figure out why people do things, but sometimes we just will never understand. We don't know what it's like to be them and we don't know what's going on in their lives and and where the behavior is coming from. And we might not have any control over it. Like no matter how much we can justify it or rationalize it, (laughs) Like that's not going to change anything. It's not. And I think a good rule of thumb is exactly what you said. You were like, I wouldn't want my partner doing that with somebody. And neither would I. There's actually, it's funny that you are bringing the situation up because there's somebody that I recently met who is one of my friends, very, very close to my friend is, is all I'll say. And I've known her for like 13 years. I met somebody through her and I was like, that's, That is one of the love of my life. Like that's one of them. I know that it is, but the person is married and they're not in a place where it's necessarily a healthy dynamic, right? Neither of them really want to be in it, but he's married, right? So for me, like I immediately go to what would I want my husband to do and what type of situation do I want to be involved in? And he actually... I'm totally okay. I can hang out with them. We'll be friends. I got the wall up. I got the steel door. I like lock up the attraction and I throw the key away. Like I'm good. I'm good. But I don't know his last name. I don't know his phone number. I don't know his Instagram handle. Like I don't know any of it. And he recently, my girlfriend told me that he sent me a message about my podcast, about my podcast on Instagram the other day. And I was like, what? I never got it. I'm like, he's got to delete it. He's, I had to have my mom delete it. I was like, go in here. You got to go to request. Like I actually never got it because I went to the request folder. I'm like, it has to be deleted. 
because I, one, I don't want to be tempted to start looking and seeing like, oh, like, are they still together? Are they not together? I don't want to have any type of intimate one-on-one. And when I say intimate, I don't mean anything other than friendly, but we should not be having a one-on-one conversation, in my opinion, when somebody is married. We just shouldn't. For me, that's like a boundary of mine. I would never want my husband to do that. I know that there was a mutual attraction and that's just not okay. And so I had to put up a hardcore wall and I, and I'm like, you have to tell him I, I deleted it. Like, <laughs> He can tell me about it when I see him in real life. I can't know his handle. Like, no, it just, no. But I'm also familiar with, and I don't know, I'm sure maybe you've heard of attachment styles. I'm also familiar with my attachment style and I'm a recovering anxious attachment style. So I'm more secure now, but I know that whole situation is gonna activate my anxious side. And that's not healthy for me either. So I have a huge wall up with that. But that's also going back to the beginning of of your question of being friends with exes. I'm not friends with any of my exes, none. (laughs) They didn't start out as friends. We date it, it didn't work out. And now it's time to cut the cord and move on. I delete all my pictures off of social media because I don't, well, you said you're a millennial. I'm an elder millennial. If you guys have ever seen the stand up, it's super funny. I'm an elder millennial. And you know, when I was younger, if somebody broke up with you, the only way that you knew what was going on in their life is if you physically ran into them on the street or they called you. Seeing your ex on social media, watching them, stalking them, posting because subconsciously you're hoping that they're going to see it and they're going to get jealous and they're going to call you. All of that is controlling your life and it's not allowing there to be a clean break. And also from an energetic standpoint, it doesn't leave energetic space, in my opinion, for somebody new to come into your life fully and completely because you have this other tie to somebody else or somebody else that you're cracking those jokes with, right? Or somebody else that you're going to for emotional support instead of your partner. If you want an, and most people aren't gonna feel safe. Like you're saying, you're like, well, I want her to feel safe, right? And maybe over time, she could totally feel safe with you, right? Most girls are not like you and I, or most people, I should say, aren't like you and I, where they're like, oh, I wanna be friends with this person and I want their significant other to feel safe. Most people don't think about that. So in your situation, I think that it's okay to have a conversation with him and just say, hey, kind of been noticing that like these things have been coming up lately. It's kind of like when we were dating, like how are things going on at home? Do you, is there anything you want to talk about? Like, I think it's okay to bring it up because he's your friend, right? You guys can talk about that as friends. That is such helpful advice. I can't wait to apply it. <laughs> Actually, can, I, can we pause right now so I can text him? No, I'm kidding. I would love it. <laughs> I mean, I think part of it with him is I don't know. We've never had that deep of a connection. We didn't date that long. So we've never even been in a position to have those type of conversations. I've run into that with a few men where like there was really good chemistry, but our communication wasn't strong. And I'm someone when I don't have strong communication with someone, I feel super uncomfortable. And like, I don't know what to do because generally I'm very open and I want to get deep and discuss things. And when things are more on the surface level with some men that I've been with, like it's hard to navigate things. And that's probably the reason it didn't work out. I mean, you're bringing up a lot of really interesting things. First of all, your boundaries are very impressive to me. And they're something that I really, I'm trying to take into consider for myself personally too, because it's interesting to acknowledge like the desire to keep someone in your life and the challenge of letting something go, 
you know. But sometimes I found like one of my more long-term relationship, we ended it, we resolved it, we've had a few back and forth, but we don't talk that regularly. And that actually feels good. I've also had really serious boyfriends who once they got married, they told me, they said, you know, my wife's not comfortable with us talking anymore. And I remember at times thinking that was a little strange, like, what's their wife's problem? (laughs) You know, why are they so threatened? But in some cases, I think what you're alluding to is, A, they might feel unsafe because not everybody is safe. Maybe they don't trust me because they've had bad experiences with other people that didn't treat them well or with respect. Or maybe that's just a boundary of theirs that their now husband is trying to meet. And I actually have found it's so important to respect those boundaries, not try to like push on my agenda or try to convince somebody that I'm trustworthy. Speaking of control again, it's not my place to try to control those people or anybody outside of myself, really. Mm-hmm. I completely agree with that. And there, there was something that you just said that I was like, yes. And I forgot what it was that you said. So remember, I'll go back to it. <laughs> but everything that you said is spot on. Oh, it's, you're talking about how your ex like told you, I'm married now and my wife doesn't feel comfortable with this. I salute him because I've used to have a ton of guy friends and it's really, really hurtful. And this for anybody listening, whether you're a girl or a guy, it's really hurtful when you have a friend of the opposite sex. And then you just stop talking to them and don't tell them it's because you got into a relationship and there's a new boundary now. Like, that's fine. Totally respect your significant other and let your friend know. Let your friend know because that's ghosting, right? Going back to dating terms, don't just ghost them. You were probably somewhat of a significant person in their life for them to not talk to you. The other thing that's interesting here, Whitney, is even though we might feel who's I just talking to about this? They're like, well, I don't have any feelings. And and I was like, but it's very clear that the guy does. Like, I know I was talking to one of my girlfriends. Okay. This is like two weeks ago. She's like, well, I don't get like his girlfriend totally hates me. And I was like, mm, does she like, does she really hate you? Or does she sense? <laughs> Cause she knows that the boyfriend has feelings for her. I'm like, or does she sense that her boyfriend has feelings for you? And she can pick up on that. So it makes her feel uncomfortable. She's like, well, I mean, yeah, she probably knows. So I guess she doesn't hate me. Like she doesn't hate you. But energy doesn't lie, you guys. Energy does not lie. You can't hide it. I always tell my clients, like, you can't be like a light bulb. Can't be like, I'm not going to shine my light today, like outside of my bulb. I'm just going to turn the light on inside of my bulb and no one's going to see my light. That light's coming out, baby. Like (laughs) we can all see it. We can all feel it. So when you go to parties or whatever and you put a smile on your face and you're feeling like crap, people can feel that. Maybe not as the the, um, extreme or intensity as it would be if you were vocal about it, but people can feel your energy. And majority, I'm sure as you know, Whitney, majority of our communication, speaking of communication, and yes, I agree, there have been very handsome men that I've been so attracted to and no, they're like, communication makes me feel uncomfortable. But well, I'm a coach. This isn't going to work. <laughs> and once again, boundaries. Like, I'm like, oh, like, and I know this isn't right for me, right? Like, I have to put up that boundary because I'm going to look, overlooking all the red flags then. That's a whole other topic with oxytocin and all the things. But your significant other probably is picking up on potential body language of your word if you are kind of 
kind of maybe still have a little something for this person or they're picking up on your energy. And a lot of times we want to call them crazy because you're not actually going to do something, but they can sense that. And so that's why for me, it's just a fresh, clean slate when we break up. It's just thank you for the memories. Sometimes it's you've really hurt my feelings, (laughs) whatever the situation is. And it's just time. It's time to move on. Wow. There's so much everything that you're saying. I'm I'm really glad you have your own podcast because it sounds like you could dive into each of these subject matters. Certainly we could. And I mean, we were going to talk about dating during the holidays and the challenges that maybe we'll get to it, but I feel like there's so much I want to talk about. I mean, it's interesting on the ghosting side, the communication side, because I've certainly ghosted. There's at least one person because... I couldn't find a way to communicate with them while protecting my well-being. The actual, the best solution for me at that time for my mental health was to ghost because as much as I tried, I couldn't figure out a, a safe form of communication. It was too hurtful, too triggering. I still regret it because in general, like I, I agree with you, the ghosting side of things is something I don't want to do. I would much rather communicate, but being on that side of things where to protect myself, to take care of myself, I was making a decision that kind of went against some of my values, which was really interesting. And there's so many nuances to all of this. Like there's no rule book that we can follow for all relationships because each one is going to be different and we're evolving. You know, what I did a few years ago might not be something I would do today. Certainly, actually, a lot of my relationship decisions, I'm like, oh, that's interesting. I am a very different person now. In that scenario with the ghosting, did you actually feel like unsafe, like physically unsafe with this person? Not physically unsafe, just very emotionally unsafe because that person, I never developed communication where I could fully express myself and feel heard and seen, you know, like they're just, the foundation was really lacking. And without getting into the details, it got to this point where I thought I literally (laughs) spent days. I mean, this is the way my brain works. I'm like writing down journaling, like, how do I deal with this crying and mourning it and like trying to process it. I mean, it was a huge experience for me. And ultimately, after all that processing, realized that ghosting felt the most emotionally safe decision for me, even though, like I said, I didn't want to do it. Like sometimes, and I think that's kind of what the point of a lot that you're getting to today, Jackie, is that sometimes we're doing things that we don't really want to do, but they're the best choice for us. And that's Mm -hmm. tough. I think a lot of relationship is built on that. You can feel something and want something, but yet know that it's not the right choice to follow that. And it's so deeply painful. I think that's the pain is also something I'd love to hear your perspective on, Jackie, Mm -hmm. because growing up, I would hear all these mentalities around like, I wonder if you did too, maybe it's a generational thing of like, calculating like how long it's going to take you to get over someone based on how long you dated. Do you remember that? Like, oh, well, if you dated for three months, it should only take you like, what, three days or something to get over them. And as an adult, I'm like, that is absolute bullshit because none of my relationships have followed any sort of math. There are some men that I recovered from the breakup really quickly. And some men I dated or had completely 
what somebody might see as less intense relationship with like, oh, well, you guys, people love to just define things like because you were dating for this length of time or because you had this type of dynamic, et cetera, then that should equal some sort of pain. And I realized very recently in my life that like sometimes the pain felt so immense for a relationship that didn't feel that immense at the time, if that makes sense. And all these rules around like, oh, get over it or to get over this person, get under that person. Like I've tried it all and none of that worked for me. None of it works. And honestly, I had very severe, I mean, severe health issues because I had a breakup that I didn't deal with. And I didn't realize that I didn't deal with it. And at the time, I had just created my signature program, Burn, using your old flame to light your new fire. And at the time, it was all about breakups, all about breakups, okay? And all of a sudden, I realized that I had this breakup that I hadn't dealt with. And I was like, oh my God, I'm such a hypocrite. Who am I to be releasing this out into the world, you know? (laughs) But I have a breakup that I haven't even dealt with, but I just didn't know that I hadn't dealt with it. So I paused. And I became my very first client. And at that point in my life, yeah, I put myself through the programs. I'm like, well, now I really can make sure that it works. Like I think it works because I made it, but now I get to see if it actually does. So at that time, I was needing three to five hour long naps every single day on top of nine hours of sleep a night. And when I say need, I mean literally need. So I would be totally just Peppy like this. And then within seconds, something would just hit me, like slap me across the face. I'd be completely lethargic. I'd have to cancel any plans that I had, even work. And I would sleep on the couch. If I had to pee, I had to hold it. Like I physically couldn't get up. I saw countless doctors, blood tests. They're all like, you're fine. You're fine. You're fine. Maybe you're depressed. Here's, she could take a pill. I was like, no, I'm not fine. And that's great that you're giving me a pill, but I didn't take it. I'm like, I want to know why this is happening. Like there's a why to this. So I hired a holistic doctor. She ran all of these other tests on me. And she's like, well, Jackie, your hormones at the time I was 33 or 34. She's like, your hormones are that of a postmenopausal woman, your uh, adrenals. And I'm talking about testosterone as well. Like that's not even supposed to be affected by birth control. Like everything was almost gone. My adrenals, which is where we get our energy from, were almost completely depleted. And my good bacteria in my digestive tract, and that's where we have like more information goes from our gut to our brain than from our brain to our gut. So it's important for you to have good bacteria in there. Normal is like 120 to 280 units. I had 12. And she was like, something is off with you. And I don't know what the cause is. And so I had just realized that I had a breakup that I hadn't dealt with and just so people can understand. We lived together. We were madly in love. Long story short, he broke up with me by just not coming home. Like talk about getting ghosted. Like just broke up with me by, by not coming home. Still alive. Don't worry. <laughs> and not doing great things with women. And I only know because an ex-girlfriend reached out. I was not stalking. I need to make that clear right now because of my boundaries. <laughs> my boundaries. But I hadn't dealt with that breakup. And so in that moment, when that all happened, I needed to be super, super strong, right? And it was like, I have to go find my own place to live. I'm going to get a cute new little bachelorette pad. My mom was coming in in two weeks. I'm like, I'm not going to have her come in early. I need to know I could do this on my own. I immediately went online. I met a new guy. Everything was fine. And that guy broke up with me very similarly three months later. Like he had some stuff at my house, woke up in the morning, took all the stuff and that was it. (laughs) 
that was it. So there was starting to become a pattern in my life. And so I did, I became my very first client and did the burn program. And in the burn program, I go through this whole emotional detox. There's a whole process I take my clients through. And so I did it. And it was a Sunday. I didn't see my doctor until the following Friday. My doctor's sitting there looking at my results. And she's like, Jackie, there's definitely like things are shutting down in your body. And I don't, I just don't know why. I looked at her. I was like, Rachel, I just got something to tell you, girl. (laughs) I just did this thing on Sunday for seven hours and I haven't needed a nap since. I was like, it's the first time in three years. And as I spoke that out to her, this light bulb went off and I was like, oh my God, three years ago was exactly when my ex and I broke up. Exactly. And And she just looked at me and she's like, Jackie, that was all emotional trauma. Like that was all emotions that you did not release. What we don't release, our organs, or like we don't cry, our organs cry. And so, I mean, the energy, if you think about energy, energy is like a ball, okay? It's like a mass. And a lot of times energy comes through, which is an emotion. Emotion is energy in motion and it comes through and we experience it. And we're like, that one's not cute. I'm gonna shove it down. <laughs> and where society says it's not brave enough to feel it or you're not strong if you feel it. So I'm gonna shove it down. But now I have this ball inside of my body and I'm literally walking around in the world and like energy tracks like energy. And so for me, I kept attracting the same types of situations and breakups. I moved to Denver after that for a guy that I didn't even love because I was so in love with the idea of being in love. And he broke up with me over the phone six Six days later, my stuff was still in shipment. Like, but when I hit my rock bottom, I got to ask myself, what is the common denominator here? Like, I can't wait to figure out the common denominator and all of the unfulfillment in my life, job, finances, friends, family, like romance, all of it. Cause when I figured out, I'm going to blame it so hard. And then I figured it out. I was like, it's me. <laughs> like, how can it be me? <laughs> and I had the whole victim mode for about maybe like five minutes. But then I realized, wait a minute. If I'm not waiting for the boss to change or the job to change or the family to change, that means I have the power to change it. And that, and when they say, you know, when the student is ready, the teacher appears, my coach launched his very first group coaching program that day. It was $5,000. I hadn't worked in two months because I couldn't, I literally couldn't get out of bed to go to work. I was so depressed and I found a way out of no way. And I spent $5,000, never looked back, created the burn program and started with the holistic coach. But the thing with the holistic coach is, and I'm just going to put this here. It's kind of a side tangent, but anybody listening, when you have things going on health-wise and especially with adrenals and stuff like that, it takes time for your body to replenish. And because my physical symptoms had gone away, I was just like, okay, I'm like back to the Energizer Bunny, like just working like 18 hour days, building my coaching business. And I ultimately burnt myself out. Like I didn't know that my body needed to replenish itself. I needed to still rest. So in 2019, September, 2019, I ended up on bed rest for two months and then I couldn't work. Like I worked, like I had a couple clients and I worked for another coach. I put my whole business, everything on, on pause for a whole year, all of 2020. And I was like, mom, if there is any time to be on like bed rest and quarantine, it's during 2020. (laughs) When nobody else is going out, like there's no FOMO because like selfishly, I'm happy that it's happening right now. So I'm not missing out on anything, (laughs) but you guys, it it took, and I'm still, I'm almost completely on the men now. And that's been since 2017 is when I first met with that first doctor. It's been five years. It's taken my body that long to replenish. And I just share that because I'm so 
such a cheerleader for feeling the pain. We don't want to feel the pain because the pain is not cute, right? We don't want to feel the pain. And if I would have felt it, if I would have accepted it, if I would have chose to see my ex for who he was, not for this pedestal that I wanted to keep him on. Because I found out afterwards he had a girlfriend. He was cheating on me, I think, at the very end. He had a girlfriend, like, for years. And he would message me, speaking of being friends with your ex, a year after we broke up, he would message me. And we would joke around, just joking via text. And I can know, I could tell him everything about my life, but I didn't want to know anything about his life. And he would be really inappropriate with some things that he would say. And I put up the boundary. When we're dating somebody else, this is not going to be okay. We can't talk like this. Absolutely not. And he would push it, push it, push it. And something popped up on Instagram through somebody like a random person that I didn't even know I was following through him, that he had a girlfriend that whole time. And so for those three years, I put him on this pedestal of he's this great guy and he was just going through a maybe an early midlife crisis and all the excuses versus being Jacqueline. Is this how you deserve to be treated? Would you ever trust this person would not do this again? No, it's time to like fully drop it and move on. And so I'm just, I'm just a cheerleader. We got to face those things that, that don't feel good to feel, but we got to feel the heal. So I know it was like really long, but <laughs> I'm super passionate about it. <laughs> oh my gosh. That, I mean, it was so captivating to hear all that. And I mean, again, speaking of lessons and your journey and thank you for sharing that story of just how much time it takes. Cause like I said, so many of us feel like this pressure to rush through pain and heal I think that rushing prevents us from healing because we're just adding more things on top of ourselves that then we have to eventually sort through. And I'm I'm reading this wonderful book right now called The Myth of Normal and really contemplating some of the statements around how illness can show up in the body and how challenging things are and why we behave the way we do, why we suffer, like what we're struggling with. You mentioned the attachments. That was actually my friend, Jason Green. He came on the show a few times to talk about relationships and attachments and all that. And it's helpful to understand these things so that you might have some clues to why you're suffering, to why you're struggling. And you also mentioned up the physical side of it. I don't think that that's mentioned nearly enough. And again, in the myth of normal, that that's one of the subject matters of at least one chapter of just like how there's so much connection physically to what's going on for us emotionally, to the trauma we might have from very long ago and things we might not even make connections between. For you, like the date of the breakup, like you went three years before you recognized the connection between what you were feeling physically and the trauma of that ending that relationship. And you mentioned the the patterns and really understanding. And I wondered too, sometimes it can be the opposite end of the spectrum where we take too much personal responsibility to the point where maybe we start feeling like so self-critical, the self-loathing, our self-esteem drops. And that might prevent people from entering into relationships because they're so afraid or they feel so bad about themselves. Or maybe they do get into relationships and they just are constantly sabotaging them. That's usually what happens. It's usually what happens for most people. Yeah, is the sabotage. And I know for me personally, anybody listening, I always dated the guy who I didn't know when I met them, but they always used to be like the MVP of their sports team and like high school or college. And they were always like good looking and cared about themselves more than anybody else. I was always a priority. I was always an option and never a priority. And 
I would beg and chase these guys to like, please not to leave me to please stay in a relationship with me. And once I worked on myself, I realized that it was because I actually didn't value myself. I did not value myself. And you know, a lot of times I say it's because I didn't love myself. And I don't want to say necessarily say it's that I didn't love myself because I I did, but I did not know my value. And the only time I felt valuable is if I had somebody that was talking to me. And then as soon as they left, they would take all of my value with them. So then I was left with nothing. And so if you do find yourself in a situation like that, I completely agree. It is self-sabotaging and usually stems from a place of low self-value in one of the attachment styles. Yes. I love that you bring in the values too. Yeah. So many people aren't even clear. I myself wasn't fully clear actually until I did an exercise with my therapist a few months ago. He asked me that question about my values and it took me so long to really evaluate them. We actually spent several sessions going over my values and in this moment, there's still some values that I'm unclear about. You know, it's a lot of work. I think maybe because we spend a lot of time looking externally as opposed to internally. So for me, at least, I start to feel very lost. Like what you're bringing up with placing our value based on validation. Actually, Mm -hmm. that came up in The Myth of Normal too. It was one of the most eye-opening sections of that book I was reading yesterday. And I felt just so blown away by the realizations I was having about rejection and how that impacts me. And there is, speaking of rejection, that's such a common thing when it comes to dating and relationships, how you internalize that type of rejection. And and it's interesting when you stop and think about how that feels and what the roots are, because sometimes it has nothing to do with the person that you're in a relationship with, but they're triggering it from something that happened long ago or the way that you were raised as a kid, you know? Yeah, it has nothing to do with you, even with ghosting. You know, a lot of times we're like, what did I do wrong? Why did they ghost me? Like, what could I have done better? And really all it just shows us is this person is more than likely more avoidant and they don't know how to communicate. And if something more challenging comes up in the future, they're going to run away. That's what it it shows in most circumstances. Yours obviously sounds different. I have ghosted a friend before because the person was so negative, like so negative. It would drain my energy. And I knew that if I said anything to her about it, it was going to be like a thing. And so I, I just, I had, I had a ghoster because that was the only option. <laughs> Yeah. I mean, sometimes like this rejection we do of other people too, again, is that self-preservation or like the last resort. (laughs) I mean, boundaries are tough to set and communication is really hard to it. I remember as a kid or just at some point in in my youth thinking like, why do people talk about relationships being so hard? How hard can they be? Like, can't you just tell somebody how you feel? Like, I didn't get that until I started getting into a relationship. And then I was blown away about how challenging communication can be. And that's not just romantic relationships. That's friendships too. That's family. Like, it's so hard. In fact, even through all the self-work I do constantly as part of my personal interests and my career, I feel like communication's getting harder. Like the more I learn about myself and human beings, I'm like, this is actually not helping. This is making it harder because sometimes more information does not equal an easier outcome. It doesn't lead to a solution. 
Have you found the same to be true? I think when I first started, because I was very emotional, I was very emotional with everything I was learning and realizing coming up. And so I didn't know how to communicate. I shouldn't say I didn't necessarily know how to communicate. I'm more like isolated myself. Like I didn't feel like I fit in anywhere. I almost felt like I was an alien, right? I had all these friends that I had made when I was going through all that traumatic time in my life. And as I worked on myself, I looked around and I thought, oh my gosh, I literally spent four years in Denver networking multiple times a week. And I have hundreds and hundreds of friends, but they're not people that I really have anything in common with or what I want to call into my life. And my coach was like, Jackie, when you met these people, you were vibrating here. Now you've worked on yourself and you're vibrating here, but at the time you attracted and were attracted to people who were vibrating in the same space as you. And it took me a moment to recognize that. And that was also a grieving phase of, okay, like now in a sense, I have to start over, right? I have to start over with who I'm choosing to be close with in my life. And so that caused me to recluse, to retract, to isolate, and to like really spend time to figure out who I was. I literally, I would leave bars. I wasn't drinking at the time. Like not, I still don't really drink a lot now, but I would go out with my friends and I would see these superficial conversations going on. And I was so used to being in my self-development programs where we get deep. Like, I love talking to you because we're like, we love getting deep. Like, let's get in there. Let's talk about the thing. And I would just see all these superficial conversations that I literally left the bar one day crying. I left, my, my friends were there. I was like, I have to go. And I went in the car and I just sobbed. And I was like, I just feel like I don't fit in anymore. I feel like I don't fit in. Now I figured out how to have a balance. But in terms of, so maybe not specifically communication for me, but it was a feeling of not belonging. Yeah, that sense of not belonging is can be really lonely and isolating and tough to navigate because then you wonder, like, how do I form any sort of relationship if I don't belong? And, you know, the fears that can be projected through that. Yeah, it's, there's so much here to navigate. And as we're coming up on the end of our time together, Jackie, I did want to touch upon the holidays impact because this episode comes out around Christmas, which is a big holiday, New Year's, all these different holidays at the end of the year. And then, of course, not too far away, we have Valentine's Day and there's celebrations all the time. So maybe even the word holiday isn't quite right, but there's a lot of emphasis on relationships during any sort of celebration? Like, who are you bringing as a date? Or are you seeing anyone having conversations with people like asking you, like, are you married? Do you have kids? Like, are you in love? Like, so many conversations revolve around relationships. And I think some people start to avoid wanting to do any sort of celebration if they're struggling with that, or maybe they're masking, like telling people that things are good when they might not be as good. These are just a few examples that come to mind for struggles. What are you seeing when it comes to the holidays and other celebrations that people, single or not, are struggling with relationship-wise? Yeah, we actually just did a whole podcast on this and I have freebies out, a freebie called The Seven Secrets to Being Single AF and Loving Life, if anybody wants it. Just different things that you can do. I think that there's like so much in that question that we can go into. Like, which route do we go? (laughs) Okay, let's start with the singles. If people ask you, one, I want to let you guys know this. 
there are some people that I have met in my life who are tough cookies. Like you cannot break that wall down. They don't want to connect. They're kind of snobby or they come across as snobby. They're very rigid. They're alpha. But I have noticed that as soon as I talk about relationships, all of a sudden that wall, oh my God, yeah, this happened. And they like want to tell me all about it. So relationships is a way where people can connect. And I know a lot of times singles are like, oh, my family is asking me X, Y, and Z. And they think that they're, and maybe some of them are like putting pressure on you. But I know for many of us, our mind immediately goes to defense. I'm in like fight mode right now. Why are you asking me this? But my invitation is that is a topic that we all know about, right? We don't all know about every single issue going on in the world. We don't all know about whatever your career is, but we all have relationships. And it's usually just a way that people are just looking to connect, not even realizing the impact that they're having on you by asking that question. So I invite you to think of it as just like, oh, this person's trying to connect with me right now. Second of all, you can say two things. You could just say, I'm dating. I haven't met my person yet, but I'm dating. End of story. They don't need an explanation. Like you're an adult. (laughs) You're not in school. That's all they need to know. Or you just simply say, I just haven't met my person yet. This came up at on Thanksgiving, actually. Someone in my family, an adult, was talking about somebody else being single and living at home. And I was like, you know, I actually have a lot of friends that have moved home for multiple different reasons, and including myself at one point. Like, we all have our reasons. And as long as you're taking action in your life, to me, that's what matters. And I was like, second of all, because they're like, oh, and they're in their 40s and they're single. And I'm like your daughter is right there. I'm like, do you think that she and I, like, even if we really wanted to be in a relationship right now, like we could just go to the store and be like, oh, I'm going to grab that cereal box. Like, it's like, like I'm going to pick that guy and we're going to date. Like, it's not, it's not how it works. Like as much as you might desire something, there's still divine timing. And you get to remind yourself of that. You get to remind yourself of that. And I know some people want to play the numbers game. And sometimes the numbers game works going out on as many dates as possible. And at the end of the day, I still believe in divine timing. And maybe you're supposed to meet your person 10 years from now. Like who knows? And you're supposed to meet your person 10 years from now. And you're going out on all these dates and you're getting so exhausted. And you're getting so frustrated. But it's really just not divine timing right now. And so just go out and have fun. Go out and enjoy. So take the pressure off there. Those are the two things that I would say to them is I'm dating or I just haven't found my person yet. Like that's it. That's all I need to know. And if you are in a relationship and you are feeling lonely or pressured and you want your partner to do something romantic, maybe you're the person that does the romantic thing and you're doing it because you need it, right? Maybe your partner, when it comes to love languages, maybe they don't need exactly what you need. Maybe they don't need a romantic moment, but you do then you get to create that. And if you're single and you're like, I want romance, I always, I have romantic moments with life. Like life is energy, right? Whatever you believe in, there's energy all around us. You are a miracle. I am a miracle. If you really think about it, like we're on a ball floating in space. What is even space? You know what I mean? Like it's a miracle that we're even here. So I'll go out and I'll just be like, okay, life, show me what you got today. Like, Let's go out on a date. If it's winter, you know, I'll put on a one of my favorite feel-good movies and a fuzzy blanket and I'll cuddle up with my dog and put on my twinkle lights and drink something warm. And I like look around and I'm like, oh my God, so cozy in here right now. Like I'm having such a romantic moment with life. And I feel full from that. 
I didn't used to feel that way. I used to cry. I used to cry myself to sleep because I was getting closer to 30 and all the good ones are going to be taken and all the pressure. And now I never knew I could feel this way. But I'm telling you guys, it feels amazing. If you work on yourself, like Whitney's talking about and what I'm talking about and you get deep, you're going to feel fulfilled whether you're in a relationship or not. I'm off my soapbox. (laughs) I couldn't have chosen a better thing to end on. That was so amazing to hear. I don't think I've ever heard someone say, I have romantic moments with life. That is so cool. I actually, it's perfect timing because once we finish recording, I'm going to head out. I started taking a walk every day just a few days ago. I normally kind of avoid it in my neighborhood, but it's a neat time of year because It's the holiday time. And I just like looking at the decorations people put up. Like to me, that's romantic. And I'm going by myself. Well, my dog, my dog and I are going like, I don't need anyone else there. I'm just enjoying like watching what the people are wearing as they're walking around and like seeing what the air smells like and seeing what the sky looks like at that day. And all these like little things in life that I think we romanticize like through social media, people love to take pictures of things and like they go on trips and they do these big, grand, expensive things sometimes. But not only can you just appreciate life from a romantic standpoint, but you can do it without it being this huge undertaking. It can just be as simple as looking out the window. Or another thing I love to do this time of year that feels kind of romantic to me is... First of all, I love all the lights. Like I have my Christmas tree set up right now and I just love looking at it. It makes me feel warm and cozy. Last night, I turned on one of those YouTube videos that has like, what do they call it? Like atmosphere videos and they have like coffee shops and they have like the sound of the coffee shop and people chatting and making drinks and music, jazz music playing or I'll watch like the snow coming down because in Los Angeles, we don't get snow. And like, I'm making a romantic moment of something that I don't actually have to go even leave my home to experience. I can create that all for myself. It's all these little things. That's such a great reminder, Jackie. Thank you for that. It makes me excited just to hear about and think about myself. And you know, like when you're going on those little walks and you're doing exactly what you talked about, which I freaking love. Sometimes I'll, if I'm noticing that I'm not in a space of gratitude and being able to appreciate it, I'll literally be like, what if I was an alien and I just came down here for the first time and I've never seen earth before. I've never seen a tree. I've never seen a house. I've never seen the sky or the clouds or a bee or a bird. And I'll look like from the eyes of somebody who is not naturally from here. And then it's like this whole new experience. That's such a great practice. I love that. And, you know, when you do that through the lens of a holiday too, no matter what time of year or any celebration, because we have celebrations all around the world, all throughout the year. You can look on a calendar and somebody's celebrating something and just like looking for it, like looking for the celebrations other people are having or like looking for what, you know, you and I, before we started recording, we're talking about Alaska and you're saying like that time of fall and how the mountains change. Like sometimes it's the earth celebrating too, like the change in season or the change in the time of day and all of this. Like, I think that perspective shift can create so much gratitude and boost our self-esteem and our confidence and make us feel more alive. And I think that's often why 
we want relationships to begin with. Like we want to feel more alive and we can do that on our own. So thank you, Jackie. I, I really appreciate that. I appreciate everything you've shared. You have gone into so many topics and I simultaneously feel like we skimmed the surface because we could talk about these things for hours, but you went really yes. deep on some things too. And I feel very nourished by this conversation. What a good word. Thank you. Thank you for having me. You are so fun to talk to and so insightful. And I just, I love your energy. Thank you so much. Yeah, my pleasure. And for the listener who wants to check out Jackie's podcast, your upcoming book, which is coming out, we're in 2022 as we're recording this, but what date does that come out in 2023? I don't have the exact date, but I'm I'm shooting for February or March and it's called Sometimes It Takes a Breakup. Ooh, so it'll yes. be all of that I learned from my breakup so that you guys can ask yourself so that you don't make the same mistakes that I did. <laughs> that is such a compelling title. I'm always thinking about titles like, what do I call an episode? I'm not going to call it that, but I'm going to like sit back and absorb everything that you've shared, Jackie, take it all in. The key takeaways, those will all be in the show notes for this episode along with those links. It's also in the description of this episode for the listener to easily click on and go check out her podcast and everything else that you're doing you're doing your coaching. like You offer so much to this world, Jackie. And I appreciate you offering that up and being here today on the show. So thanks again. Thank you. And so do you guys. This girl does so much. Go check her out. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. I know. Isn't it funny? Like when you hear someone else share something about yourself, you're like, huh? Yeah. I am doing yeah. a lot. <laughs> a lot, you guys. Like she's doing a lot. She's kind of like she's kind of like a one-stop shop for like anything that you need. You can go to Whitney. <laughs> uh, that's so funny to hear. Thank you, Jackie. And for the listener, everything, the one-stop shop she's mentioning is wellevator.com. That's W-E-L-L-E-V-A-T-R.com, which has all the links that we talked about in the show notes section. So go check it out and I'll be back with another episode this coming Monday. Bye for now. Thanks for listening and getting out of your comfort zone with us today. For show notes and more high-performance resources to help you thrive, go to wellevator.com. That's W-E-L-L-E-V-A-T-R.com.